Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Make sure you write this down because it's going to be good for you. You're going to want to chew on it later. All right. So he says in verse 18, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists are coming. This is how we know it is the last hour. He says they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their goal is that none of them belong to us. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And then verse 22 says, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He said, that's for you. See that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the knowing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. In verse 28 and 29, he ends it here. He ends the chapter and he says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him that is coming. If you know that he is righteous, righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. That's a whole lot of text, but don't be scared. We're going to break it down. Y'all with me? Y'all better say something, y'all. Let me? So we're going to start verse 18. He said, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. In verse 15 and 17, he just told them, he said, do not love the world or anything in the world. Right? And I'm paraphrasing. Verse 17 says, the world and its desires pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. And then in verse 18, we hear him talking about the Antichrist and talking about the last hour. He's setting the conversation, right? He's setting the atmosphere for this conversation, right? He's making sure everybody gets their coordinates, right? right? The longitude, the latitude, where it needs to be to make sure they kind of set up for this conversation he's about to have, right? And he's dropping the bomb on them. Just in case they're not sober about what's going on, what's happening in the world, right? You know how we see the seasons change, and we're like, yo, man, it's getting a little chilly out here. Winter's coming, right? It's getting a little hot. I know I'm about to go shirtless the whole summer. Sorry, it's not happening. It's I'm going to have mercy on people. I ain't going to do it. But you get around coming. We feel the season. He's letting them know what the season is real quick, right? The world and its desires are passing away, if you ain't know Right? It's the last hour, if you didn't know. Right? This is not a literal hour. Time is different for God. But he's saying we are in a, right? We're in a trajectory where it's the last hour. 
One of the ways we know that this is the last hour is because he's like, the Antichrist spirit is here, it's on deck, and it's active in me, making its way for an actual Antichrist, right? First John 4, 3 says, every spirit, spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you heard that it was coming, and now it is in the world already. So he wants everybody sober about the season, what time it is, alright? We have to be sober about what season we're in. I don't know about you, but things feel a little bit different on this side of COVID. Yeah. Right? Does anybody feel that? Yeah. I'm crazy, y'all can tell me. We, we, me and my wife were just out of town and, and we were at somewhere with a big event and she's just like, everything just feels different. Like people's joy doesn't seem the same. Festivals don't seem the same. Events, there seems to be just this heaviness. There's something different, right? We try to quantify what that is in the physical, but we don't always know what to put words to it, but in the spiritual, we know something is simply not the same. Right? Verse 19, he's talking about these people. I told you there was a split in the church. So you'll see it in the text right now. He says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. He's speaking specifically to their church, but let me broaden the context. This is not about if somebody ever leaves your church, right? Sometimes God just moves you along and you go somewhere else different or whatever the case may be. They may call you to another ministry. Those dynamics are between people and God. It doesn't mean that they have fallen from the faith, right? He's talking about people who have gone out from the faith altogether. Who have gone from, I proclaim Christ to, nah, I ain't with that anymore. You get where I'm coming from? There's a distinction that needs to be made there. So he says they went out from us. But they didn't really belong to us. Two things he tells us about, right? There's a seducing spirit that happens in the room when there's people who are, right? The word tells us that Satan's people, they, they, they dress us as the light, but they're really not the light, right? Jude talks about these waterless clouds that sit in the setting of the people of God. Even shepherds, pastors, leaders, they're really nothing but crooks. And Judas like, don't tolerate these people. Amongst, don't become okay with it just being like that. You get where I'm coming from? So there's this thing where there's like a, there's a, there's a us and there's them. And sometimes operating and dancing in the same room. Y'all with me so far? So specifically to the text, he's like, so if they had belonged to us, they would have remained to us, but they're going to show that none of them belonged to us. Y'all felt it before, right? You get people, whatever, they try to snatch you with all kinds of different stuff or whatever. You know how, it, it sounds like, you know, you better watch out for those people or whatever and stuff. Or whatever. They're going to get you with the CRT stuff. Then they're going to have to be a socialist and y'all going to destroy the whole world. And so people get you with all these fears and all this other stuff and they try to get hooks in you or politicize stuff. And the next thing you know, all of this stuff gets bigger than your relationship with Christ. 
I'm not making a political statement. I'm not making a statement about ideology. I'm talking about your relationship with Jesus Christ being bigger than everything. We can work all this other stuff out as we walk forward in faith. You get where I'm coming from? Everybody's jumping in this thing, being saved in different places at different times. We are not going to have the same political perspective, the same trajectory in life, the same walks that we've walked. We actually grow. It's just like when you get married or whatever. I love my wife or whatever. I do whatever stuff. But like, when it's, all she wants to do is be proud for the first time. Now. Every Sunday, she's like, yo, this is getting to a lot of times. But I had to learn. Now I'm the one going to get a crab tray, baby. She's like, yo, I'm getting sick of the crabs, whatever. But you get where I'm coming from? We walk this walk together, and God kind of brought this thing together. It's the same thing, whatever. When you come into the faith, there's going to be some tensions and some differences. But some people ain't never grabbed the faith. And they'll whisper in your ear with all kinds of different things. To yank you from God, from the people of God that you're called to be around. Right? Can I get real with y'all real quick? Some of my white brothers and sisters in here, you know and I know, some of your family members will be looking at you like, what in the world are you doing with the black pastor? It just is what it is. We're not doing ourselves justice and not understanding these cultural differences, because if we don't, it'll sneak you up or whatever before you know it, we're walking out the door on each other. Or it'll be a wall of hostility that'll never let us gain unity because we won't tell the truth about what it is, right? Some of my black brothers and sisters be like, bro, what you doing in church with all the white people for? Right? Can we keep it just real for a real minute? These are some real social distinctions and different things that are really can be seducing to lower what God is actually doing. Can we just keep it real for a minute? Some of us may be shocked and maybe never venture to have a conversation like that. You, you should. It's good. It's good to have. It's good to have. Right? God wants to knock down a wall of hostility. When he talks about love, it's different than the world's love. You know where I'm coming from? It's different. We have to be aware of things that will look to seduce us and pull us apart. Right? In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about the super apostles creeping into the church. Super apostles showed up with all their shiny suits. Paul had scars all over his body. He kept doing gigs, going to jail, all kind of stuff, preaching the gospel, whatever. And the super apostles rolled up and they're like, if God was really on them like that, why is he always in jail? You know where I'm coming from? Seducing voice to undermine what God is actually doing. Slick. It's slick. Paul is like, my scars proclaim the truth of the gospel. God's faithfulness holding me through the harshest of times. Keeping me in place in the beautiful times. I'm not stealing any money, right? I'm not stealing when the money's up. I'm stealing when the money's low. God is keeping me by his grace, by his mercy. But they're like, ah, sounds good. He looks a mess. They're looking to gain the people from their place, right? Y'all with me so far? Question is this right here. Did God place you here where he felt like placing With Who he placed one of the place you with? Is he God in that conversation or is he not? You understand? That's the conversation. Does God rule and reign over your life? Because God will set you up in a room with who he wants to, how he wants to, with the dynamics he wants to. 
This group was taking advantage of all of that. They were taking they, they were setting the room to destroy what God was putting together. They were setting the room to undermine truth. They were setting the room to grab people's annoyances, frustrations, and grab that conversation and lead them. You understand? Off path. Y'all with me? All of us know people like that. You want me to prove how I know that we know people like that? Because you have people that when you hit a jam, when you get in a jam, you make sure you don't go to them for advice. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, I'm very angry. I need to do something better with this anger than what I want to do. But if I go talk to them, they're going to have me going straight crazy up in here. They're going to they, they're gonna, they're gonna put fuel on the fire. You get where I'm coming from? If I make a complaint, they're just going to roll with me. They're not going to check me and be like, yo, your heart's off. That's not, they're not going to point you back to the word. Yeah, that's not, it's not valid. Yeah, I know they may have did that, but come on, bro. Like, you hear where I'm coming from? Yeah. Verse 20 says, but you, talk about them, and he switches it. He's talking to the people actually sitting in the room now, right? This is for us. So if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this word right here from thousands of years ago looks lays on you the same way today. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. So, so he, 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 he's telling who they are, right? He says, all of you know the truth. He says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It's whoever denies Jesus is Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So let's get some definitions real quick. So when he says, you have the anointing from the Holy One, right? This anointing, there is a ceremony for where you are actually anointed and oil is applied to your head and people speak a blessing over you. But he's talking about people who have been chosen and set apart. So important right now. Because this deception that happens in the room happens from people who are kind of in this kind of indifferent, nonchalant space by, about their faith. Y'all with me? People can run up on them and say anything to them. They can say anything to them, right? I have some friends. If you run up on them and say something about me, they might strangle me on the spot. Like, for real. I love them for it. They're like, homie, you better not watch him out. He did what? Go get him. We're going to all have to talk to him, whatever. They're not going to believe it. They're not going to believe it. You get where I'm coming from? Do you want a friend who sits around and lets people gossip about you? And just tolerates it? And just goes in on you? Nah, yo. Nah, that's not. At least be like, yeah, I see what you're saying. We should go talk to them about it. This isn't the best way to do it, right? We got them sit and we just let people just run them up. On the, on the Lord. Just create division. Don't, don't touch it. He's talking about people who are chosen and set apart. He's not talking about 
trying to just figure it out. Some of us are in places where we're just trying to figure it out, and that's fine. But in this room, he is making a distinction. Chosen, set apart, anointed. You know the truth because God has given you the truth specifically, and you know what it is. I'm not second-guessing. That group that left, they're always a little, uh, I don't know where Y'all know. That's why y'all didn't go. Y'all know. Y'all with me? This is important because he's drawing the border. He's like, yo, I need you to know what you, who you are, right? Sometimes my kids get out of line, and I go, yo, we don't do that. When I say we don't do that, I'm talking about the Harris family. Homie, we don't do that. My sons make fun of their sisters at school. I'm like, homie, we don't do that. We protect ourselves. I'm drawing borders for them to function and identity for them to live out. You understand where I'm coming from? He's drawing the border for them. He, he already distinguished the world versus the Father. He's telling them about Antichrist. He's trying to like, yo, this is a real, this is, this is important. I know we can kind of just do church and kind of go with the flow and everything else or whatever, and it's just another, another option in the midst of everything. He's like, yo, this is about your soul. And do not be sleep about what's going on. Satan is playing for your soul. You get where I'm coming from? He's trying to make them awake right now. He's differentiating them from those that left, right? My mom's in the crowd or whatever. I'm just going to tell the story. My mom, I used to roll to the crib. I had some of my homeboys with me or whatever. And my mom pulled me to the side and she like, you need to get away from him and him. And I'm like, it cool. What's up, man? Why are you tripping? Like, what you, they didn't even do nothing. She could just feel it. You understand what I'm saying? She could just feel it. I'm like, nah, ma, they good people. Wouldn't listen, disobedient. Next call she gets. Your mom went down there to um, say she. What? Who are you with? What's the thing? The same people she told me to stay away from. She just felt it. You get where I'm coming from? Sometimes we linger in this kind of funny, weird way or whatever, because we're just like, I, I hate when people told me I didn't fit in. What you mean? I could start with the rest of them. What are you talking about? Like, I'm good at this. Like, my little pride and my little ego. I didn't believe what God had for me or was calling me to was more glorious than whatever was on the platform in the streets and then whatever. You get where I'm coming from? So I would never Lean into it. My mom told me I was a pastor. While she was paying for lawyers to get me out of jail. Right? While, while I'm getting locked up, right? She told me I was a pastor. What, what are you talking about, mom? Right? Like, mom, what are you, what are you talking What in the world do you see? Because I don't get it. I don't know where I'm coming to go, right? John is telling them who they are. He's telling them who they are. You're different. You're different. If you haven't drawn a distinct line, you need to draw the line. Right? Draw the line for you end up like this. First Peter, Peter goes like this, right? He says like this. It's first Peter 2 4. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by men. But in the sight of God, 
chosen and precious. You see that? Rejected by men. It's rejected by the world, but precious to God. So it's the same for us. You may be rejected by mankind, but you are precious as a child of God before God, right? Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to the holy to, a, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture: Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. They may shame you. It ain't gonna last long. The long story gonna the, the story gonna tell the long story gonna tell the truth. You get where I'm coming from? You get where I'm coming from? The man gave an example the other day. He said, yo, said, listen, you have a fake gold chain? You have a fake gold chain and you have it for 20 years and that thing is blinking or whatever and stuff, and you know, year 21 it turns green. It was never a gold chain, it was just green, it's just waiting to be revealed. You get where I'm coming from? Our joint gonna stay gold. Everybody else gonna turn green. It ain't going to be a shame. He says, so the honor is for you who believe. For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The, they stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to, destined to do. Now listen to this, what it says about us. Now, listen to what it says. It says, but you. You hear that but you again? Talking about identity stuff. All right? You like everybody else. This is the but you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is what you do. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You won't make a distinction if you don't think his light is marvelous. If you think you're still cutting on your own. Then this light won't be that marvelous, right? It might just be something it's like a little bling you can add to your outfit, and you think God just it's gonna make everything just pop the way you want to want it to do. I'm talking about when you need him with all when it's marvelous to you. Because it lets you come home to your to your, your family again. Marvelous. Because you'll destroy everything with your kids without it. Marvelous. Because without it, you'd be robbing and stealing. Marvelous, because drugs would consume you to no end if the Spirit of God was not giving you something to fight the monster inside. Marvelous, because you'll break everything. It says, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. You see that? And it's marvelous. The line gets distinct. I used to be like that. Now I'm like this. I'm set apart and chosen. Not because I deserve it. Not because I deserve it. But because Jesus died on the cross. Because his blood was shed to make atonement for my sin. Because God's wrath has been held back by his mercy. Right? Ain't that you don't deserve the wrath. It's that Jesus' blood 
suffices. Right? So now there's a distinction. Now in God's time. Once you had not mercy, but now you have mercy. Some of us want to be accepted by the world so much. That's where our esteem is at, right? We need everybody to tell us that we are really, we're the real deal, right? We need us, we, we, we want them to just give us a little check. We need the blue check on Twitter. Is that Twitter? What is the blue check? Twitter? Instagram? All of it? Just a blue check? We want the blue check across the board. You understand? You want the blue check. Where God tells us, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose it, you'll save it. You understand? Verse 22, I'm going to keep on moving, I'm going to move fast. It says, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He's giving him a box for them to be able to call it out right when you see it. When it starts talking slick about Jesus, whatever, you already know what spirit is actually in. Right? You know not to digest, you know not to partake. Right? If you don't think Jesus is marvelous, though, you don't, you, you don't get your cup, though. I'm just telling you, right? There's a whole, you know, 45 years old now, there's so many different social things, debates that come out or whatever, that look to undermine what the gospel is and everything else or whatever. And some of them are like, man, that's interesting. I never heard that joint, whatever, this and that. And so many different things that would push at you and go at you and jab at you. But when, when Jesus is how you get out of the bed every morning, when you suffer with depression, and the gospel gives you hope to even get up and put your pants on every day? I don't care none of these debates are about you. Because your debates are not going to help me get up out of bed. Right? When I lose it with my wife and I'm sitting in depression because I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God. I suck. Jesus. And my pride, look, and I can see how terrible I am, but my pride won't even let me go even apologize and fix it. But when I do, it's because the gospel wins. So you can't tell me nothing about it today. Because Jesus is washing over me. The Holy Spirit is empowering me to do something way better than myself. When I walk into counseling and I'm glad to do it, and able to be vulnerable because I need help, and I count it as expedient, not just being exposed, but expedient to actually, God, help me, choose you. Get, let me use the tools of your daughter. Yes. Man, you can't tell me nothing about Jesus. You can't tell me nothing. I came to the Lord on the way to go murder somebody. You can't tell me nothing. I'm sorry, you can't tell me nothing. It's marvelous. Don't let nobody take you marvelous away. You understand? Verse 24 says, talking about us again. He said, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also will remain in the Son and in the Father. 
talking about that old gospel two step, right? Sometimes the way people sneak you away, they get so deep for you, you just feel underqualified, right? They can bring theology stuff back behind you over your head through the court. Look, I ain't the smartest person in the room by far. You hear where I'm coming from? All that I do in the state. <laughs> I have been to the Mass Olympics for Florida twice, and it's so deep twice. And I keep reminding my kids that every time they pull out their map, I can't do it. But I was, there was a point the map was different, and I was in the top. And I tried to kick in, I had to say that real quick. You hear where I'm coming from? But he's talking about keeping the two-step. Jesus, you a sinner, saved by his grace on the cross. He says, if you grab onto what we gave you, can nobody talk over your head? Can nobody even slick stuff on you? Can nobody hold on to your marbles? Hold on to your marbles, right? The gospel, Jesus Christ on the cross, looking over the feet, yo. Jesus, I'm guilty. Guilty. It should be up here. Have mercy on me. Done. That's the gospel. That's the two-step. One shot to the head. Say, boom. You understand? Forgive it. It's like that. The grace is that quick. It's that efficient. Right? Hold on to that. Hold on to what was given to you. Right? Hold on to the thing that was saved by you. And this is the promise. It's eternal life. It's eternal life. Surprise. Surprise. Eternal life. Let me keep it moving. The baby's getting antsy in the back. You hear it. Right? <laughs> yell, my arms in there, baby. Come get me. All right. 26, it says, I'm writing these things to you. About those who are trying to lead your strength. It's pointing to the people that left. And it goes back again. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains on you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Let me bring that into context with you for what it's saying. There are people who will... The way that they will mislead you is they will talk about what you don't have to make you feel like you are missing something so they can fill the space that they just made up was missing. And so he's telling them, stop letting people ease up beside you, talk about all these different things, murmur, complain, talk over your head, act like you're missing this, act like you don't have that, so they can play games with you, right? He's not undermining the idea of teachers because biblically we know inside of Ephesians 4 it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. That's the point. These people that left were undermining Christ. Right? They're coming with the, uh, a theology and heresies that said Christ is not the Christ. You don't need teachers like that. Right? You don't need teachers like that. And what he's saying when he talks about, when he says you are anointed, he's he pointing to the Holy Spirit in you that empowers you to be able to discern garbage from truth. So he's saying when your meter goes off and you know it's garbage, don't don't take it in. Y'all with me? 
Don't take it in. Don't take it in. But he's doing that by affirming who they are. God's hand is on it. God's hand is on it. That's what my mom was trying to tell me. Son, God's hand is on it. I'm like, tell me to get it all. I'm trying to get out of the streets and get his money. Mom, like, you know what I'm saying? But she was saying, son, it's on you. It's on you. Some of us are telling our kids that. We see the stuff they get involved in, we're like, yo, God's hand is on you. We got something different for you. The crowd got you mesmerized, but you understand? I'm gonna bring it home here. It says anointing is real, it's not counterfeit. Don't let yourself study his faith. Verse 28, he says, and now dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and understand before him that is coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is does what is right has been born of him. He's helping them find their tribe in that. Right? He's helping them identify who they need to be rolling with. First of all, people who are counterfeit, block out your circle and make a certain border. I'm not talking about being a separatist, right? In the sense that you don't talk to anybody who's not Christianese or whatever and everything else or whatever. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when it comes to your chosen race and your chosen people, even with all the tension and hard stuff that comes with us being diverse in this room or from different places having different opinions, you work that out within the circle of God's chosen people. You venture out and evangelize, evangelize, you have relationships, you have friends that you, you understand what I'm saying? But don't get it twisted with your culture. Don't get it twisted with being able to identify who's about him and who isn't. And you continue in him, and this is just practical stuff to take us out the door. You continue in him by keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. You keep this gospel that laid it on us marvelous. That's been given to us by grace. Marvelous. Right? Keep your marbles. You pray constantly. And everybody in your mind goes, oh my God, you want me to sit and pray all day long? No, it's not. I'm saying that if you walk around this room, you're going to see somebody with a heavy heart. Pray for them. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to do a performance on them in the corner. Pray for them. All of us know somebody struggling right now. Right? We know parents who are having hard times with their kids. Pray for me, put me on that list, right? We know people with relationships struggling, right? We know people in their singleness that are struggling, right? There's plenty to pray about. It'll keep you close to the Lord, keep you talking to the Lord all the time. Be in the gathering of the saints, right? We try not to call us a church service. Y'all want to consume us. Y'all want to consume us. It's a family. A chosen people. Try to call it a gathering, right? Try to be intentional. We're gathering as believers around the world. Not consumers. This isn't a store. You understand? You don't have to pay. You give here voluntarily. You don't have to give anything at all to be here. It's plain and simple. It's just not how we run. It is what it is. 
But you get here, you got to give out the gentleman. You got to be gentleman. We make it hard for you. We don't always do it. You know what I'm saying? Call for finance or whatever. The envelopes are somewhere in here. Because nobody really knows where they're at. You don't have to buy your way here. I'm just telling you, this is what it is. It's a gathering. It's a chosen people. When you see people that are falling away, when the gospel starts getting not so marvelous for people, and you feel that around you, I'm not telling you I'm not to do this perfectly. I'm not shaking my hand at you. I'm saying step into the tension of praying for them, trying to figure out what it feels like to encourage them, what it feels like to be with them, and to spend time with them. So if you don't know the answer to questions, maybe bring them to somebody else and they know the answer to questions. Right? But that's what he's saying when he says, continue in. Because that not only I'm talking about doing something for others, but it keeps us before the Lord as well. It's just a point that we actually need each other. And he sanctifies us through our relationships. You get what I'm coming from? The tensions in them, the hard stuff, all of that stuff. Amen? Amen. And Jesus on the cross gives us grace and mercy. It's like he keeps pointing to the anointing. Because he gives us the spirit of God to endure in first group. It's part of the gift of our salvation. Alright, y'all. Let me y'all stand real quick. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for us. James is gonna lead us in some songs, but we're gonna take communion as well. Communion will be over here. And as we um as we worship, you can just um, you can come up and you can take me um, as you feel like it. A um, couple things I want to tell you: we don't do communion. Um, it's not just a sense of tradition for us. Um, Jesus, before he departs, he, had, he he does this with the disciples, right? But he tells them, he says, he says, the the blood. He said, the drink represents my blood shed on your behalf. He says, the broken bread is my body being broken, right? He does it as a monument. He says, do this in remembrance of me. To make a monument for us to come before with reverence. To put our eyes on Jesus. It's just not, it's not just ceremony. It's not just another church thing people do. Alright? And we all have to individualize that in a sense of we do it corporately, but you have to stop for a minute and take on the weight of what that is. Alright? What it means for us. And it says in the word, if you are not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, do not partake of the table. It says do not do it. Um, it's essentially like blaspheming God because it is so precious. You understand? Such a precious thing. And in this church, we want everybody in here to be able to do it. You understand? We want everybody to be able to do it. It's something we do as a family. It's one of the things we come together and this is, we're bonded by what Jesus did. You understand? And so, I'm going to be in the room with you. You don't know the Lord. You're like, man, I actually want to do it, but I don't feel like I can because I don't know where I'm at in my faith. You can just come tap me. I would love to talk to you about it. Even if you just have questions, just grab me. We'll talk to you, all right? All right. Let me pray. Let me jump in. Yeah, me, Father, Lord God, we just praise you, Father. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. God, I just... Uh, I thank you for the scripture. Um, 
Thank you for Holy Spirit that guides us in truth. I thank you, Father Lord, that you um, call for us to make a monument of your sacrifice on the cross, your son Jesus, that you sent to die for our sins. Let us all find our reverence as we stop to do this, Lord. Let us all find the grace and mercy that allows us to freely take communion because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Let us not be wise in our own eyes, Father Lord. Let us not have a strong thirst for power that is ungodly, Father Lord. But you say that you use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. So in our humility, you say as we, we humble ourselves and you lift us up high. You watch your disciples speak, and you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You promised us eternity. You promised us everything. There's nothing we're going to miss on this earth. While we're here, help us to find it in our heart to serve and love others. To not gather everything for ourselves, Father Lord. But to serve others with our time, with our riches, with our resources. Um, we would love to assume we're just that. But it's actually an act of God that makes this happen. So, Father, we praise you for so many things you do for us as a church. Um, we pray for our community, Brentwood. Um, thank you for all the amazing things that you are doing here and that we get to be a part of and the things we get to learn. And uh, we just praise you and we bless you, Father. Thank you for listening. In Jesus' name, we pray.